you know, the latest data, the latest information on chronic inflammation is yes, it's part of the aging process. We can't help it. We get older. Okay. But it is exquisitely sensitive to nutritional changes. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast with Tom Underwood. Armed with truth and knowledge, your journey to a healthy lifestyle can be obtained. Preventative wellness, quality nourishment, and daily fitness routines dramatically improve your outlook on life as a whole. And you'll find the support and info you need to accomplish a healthier lifestyle here. Together, we can empower each other along our journey to an amazing you. Welcome to the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. Well, we're at the end of July. Summer's flying by. I hope you're all having a great summer. And because I was able to take a couple weeks off after my recertification in functional medicine exam, I went back to Michigan to visit my family and my daughter, and had a great time. So, therefore, this episode is the best of, and it's a re-release of episode 87 with Dr. Mary Claire Haver. The Galveston Diet, an anti-inflammatory diet for menopausal women and everyone else. So, I appreciate you re-listening to this because it was a very good episode, especially for the female species. She dives deep and she's very good at what she does with menopausal women. So enjoy this episode and I hope you have a fantastic end of July and we'll see you in August. Thank you very much. Dr. Mary Claire Haver, welcome to the Rebel Health Coach podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you could join me. I was when I was talking to the ladies that sent me your information. I was had talked with them about putting myself out there, and they said, "Hey, would you mind having Dr. Mary Claire?" I'm, I'm like, I, "Absolutely." So it was cool. Uh, so let's get started out today by who is Mary Claire Haver, <laughs> and I might got a really big curiosity of how you went from studying rocks to specializing in female reproductive health? That's a great question. Well, I'm 51 years old. I'm a wife, mom, um, and a board-certified OB-GYN. My undergraduate degree is in geology. So when I was an undergrad, you know, I went off to college and um, stayed home because we had no money. And most of my friends went to LSU. I'm from Louisiana. So I went to the college in my hometown. And just didn't know what I was doing. I took a bunch of classes and bombed two of them miserably. and kind of had a whole um, come to Jesus, so to speak, with myself about where are you going in life? You know, your parents aren't going to bail you out. You're, you know, you can be smart when you feel like it. So to challenge myself, the next semester, I took all these ologies, biology, geology. I just took all these science classes and I, I made a bet with myself that I would get an A in all of them. And this this is coming from a girl who was never an all-A student. So I did that. And while I took geology, I kind of fell in love with it as an undergrad. So it was in the 80s. There was a huge downturn in the oil industry, which was basically what supported my little town that I lived in. And so it was a big recession. 
And so no one was majoring in anything to do on the oil field at the time because things were so bad. They offered me tons of scholarship money because they had all these endowments. So I'm like, well, I can get a free education out of this. And it's fun. And maybe things will turn around in the oil field. So that's how I majored in it. Had a blast, traveled all over the country studying rocks, geology, really got my niche in science, had a 4.0 in math and science at that point. Wow. So once... And then as an undergrad, I got a Girl Friday job working for an oil company. It was really fortunate that I got that position. And it kind of gave me an inside look and made me realize maybe I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Like Being out in the field is one thing, but sitting in an office, staring at a computer screen just didn't seem like where my path was headed. So... I thought, you know, maybe nursing, maybe medical school, you know, I have the the background science. So on a whim, I took the MCAT and uh, did well enough. I mean, I did some study classes, but I did well enough to apply and I got accepted right away. And then all of a sudden, it was like a whirlwind. I was going to medical school, like out of nowhere. <laughs> so wow. a better story that I've always wanted to be a doctor or any of that. I just kind of was at a crossroads. Let me try this, see what happens. And then when I got to med school, I was a fish in water. I mean, it was everything I was meant to do. I did really, I did better in med school than I did in undergrad and just finished at the top of my class, had a ball. I mean, worked really, really, really hard. But you know, when your efforts pay off, you just keep doing the same thing. And um, fell in love with OB-GYN during my clinical rotations and then decided to make that my specialty. So I matched at University of Texas Medical Branch here in Galveston. My husband, um, we got married when I was in med school, was an engineer. So Houston area made sense for us. And um, I met him in my geology days. So I always joke that God put me at the oil company so I could meet a, meet a husband. And, um, and then never looked back. Nice. Very nice. That's a great story. Yeah, I read that you were a geologist. And I'm like, well, this has <laughs> got to be really interesting. I am, technically. <laughs> 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 rocks to female product, you know, reproduction. It's like, okay. All right. Last year, also, I read that you went to culinary medicine school. What brought that? What was the catalyst behind that? So I had developed, I started developing the Galveston diet and realized I had a huge gap in my knowledge. Most of us who go to medical school, at least in my era, had almost no nutrition training. Really, other than like, what is a macronutrient? Like, it's a carbohydrate. What is a protein? But we didn't learn much about micronutrients. We didn't learn much about really basic nutrition. You know, I know more about how to set up TPN, total parenteral nutrition, you know, IV feeds, versus how to create a, meal, a healthy meal plan for someone. We never, never were taught that. That wasn't considered medicine. And so when I started realizing, like, this is my path, this is where I want to go with my life, you know, in medicine and, and helping women. I realized I got to make up this gap. And so I looked at doing like a master's in nutrition or, or different options. And then someone told me about this program at Tulane, which is just one state over and in my home state, um, that they offered this culinary medicine certification. So I did some research and really fell in love with the program because it not only you know gives me fills in that gap of basic nutrition, but also takes it to a medical level of like using food to treat disease or using food to present, prevent disease. And also we had time in the kitchen. Like I had to fly to New Orleans, fly to San Francisco to test kitchens, to learn how to cook. So to learn skills and techniques that I could then share with my students or patients, you know, as I move forward. So it took me about 18 months to complete everything. And I had to pass the board exam. Um, 
And then now I'm certified and it was worth every hour of the hundreds of hours I spent studying for this. That's really awesome because, I mean, that's a big component, especially, well, in all components of it. I mean, it's not just women, but in in males too. But I mean, more so, there's so many dials in a female body that can be adjusted with the right proper nutrition. Right. So, yeah, that's good. That's really good because you're right. Medical school lacks nutrition training. I mean, I spent 20 years learning how to give medication basically and do surgery, which are needed. I'm not knocking that, but I I felt like, God, we're missing something here. I'm not teaching patients how to be healthy. I'm I'm teaching problems. And there's a place for that, of course, but I'd I'd rather be on the prevention end of things. Yeah, I admire that about you. All right, so let's dive into the deep end of the pool here and (laughs) talk about, because you created the Galveston Diet. You're the, you're actually the the brains behind the Galveston diet, and that's one reason I wanted you to come on here because this is a very good diet for women in perimenopause or menopause or both or before even good good diet all the way around. It turns out it works for everyone, though I created it for well, I created it for me very selfishly, and then started sharing it with my friends. And then it just exploded from there. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm being 60. I go to the gym every day. I see a lot of women in the perimenopause age and menopause age. Most of them are perimenopausal. They go to the gym religiously. And they all have that pooch. And they work out. They're there every day. So I see them every day. So they're working out every day. Their bodies are not changing. Right. When I was in my 20s and 30s, I could calorie restrict and, you know, work out, hit the gym, and it worked. You know, I could get back to my happy weight. You know, as women in this country, we're very skill centric, skill focused, not thinking so much about our health. You know, it's just like you want to get in that pair of jeans or whatever. So I skirted through my 20s and 30s. And then when I hit my 40s, and this is a very common story with most women. All of a sudden, those little tricks weren't working anymore, you know. And and so, in my mid forties, my brother, uh, one of my brothers, got very, very ill, and then he had a stroke and died five days later. And um, he was one of my closest friends. It was devastating to me. So, in my grief process, nutrition went out the window, working out went out the window, and at about you know six months of me just trying to survive being a mom and a wife and and working and and dealing with grief, I ended up twenty pounds. <laughs> over my happy weight. So at the same time, I was hot flashing, brain fog, going through menopause, hormones changing. And I was like, okay, it's time to do all the things I told my patients to do. They were telling me these stories. Now it's my turn. So I doubled down at the gym. I was calorie restricting like a boss. I was downloading apps. I was eating all these little bars and and things that were heavily processed, but low in calorie, low in fat. And the weight, you know, I'd lose a pound or two, but it wasn't like coming off, you know, and I was getting increasingly frustrated. I was becoming, you know, just obsessed, like getting up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, weighing myself, like just craziness. And finally, you know, my husband was like, this is not normal. You are, I don't care what you weigh, you look great, but you're, you're, this is controlling your life. You need to fix this. And he has a job where he works overseas for a month and then comes home for a month. So he was like getting on the plane to go away. And I was telling him, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be the wife you deserve when you get back. I'm going to get back to my happy weight. And he's like, I have the wife I deserve. 
but whatever's happening, this, you know, you need to fix up here. So I took that, you know, I was like, okay, what, what I'm doing is not working. I'm just frustrated. I'm aggravated. You know, this, this was like me. This isn't working. So I marched down to the nutrition department at the university I was employed at. I was like, what is happening? You know, why is this happening to me and all my patients? And they're like, well, we do studies on 25-year-old male athletes and the elderly. I'm like, well, what about us? And they're like, mm, there's just not a lot out there. And so I said, well, what do you have? What do you know? So we, we, we started pulling studies and data and information on, on the studies that were being done. And I just had to extrapolate. So three common themes started like poking out. The biggest thing at our age was inflammation. Inflammation levels are rising because of aging. Inflammation levels are rising because of hormone changes. Inflammation levels are rising because we're starting to... Those first two things are causing weight gain in our middle where we never had it before. Um, where most of us had never had it before. And how can we fight that inflammation? So again, I'm reading obscure articles. I'm pulling stuff. I'm like, okay, we're not doing this right. So I really loved Mark Matson's data, uh, he, all his studies on intermittent fasting. He mostly did it initially for neurodegenerative disease, Alzheimer's and dementia. And he had some mouse models that he practiced fasting on it they would run through the mazes faster when they were fasting. And so that kind of made him start thinking, you know, what's going on here? So he did really some of the first deep dives into intermittent fasting and inflammation levels. And that just fascinated me. And now, you know, IF is the rage and everyone's doing it. And, you know, but I was like, I was doing it before it was cool. And um, so then I looked at, you know, what nutritional things can we do to fight this inflammation? Like, there's so much beautiful stuff out there. When you look at chronic inflammation and disease states, all of the data right now, it's not taking a pill. It's not giving yourself a potion. It is basic nutrition. Like here are some nutritional changes, things to take out of your diet and things to add in your diet, much higher levels so that you can lower your inflammation levels. And then the third component was what I call fuel refocusing. So many people in this country are addicted to carbohydrates, to simple carbohydrates. Not just, I'm not talking about fruits and vegetables and naturally occurring sugars. I'm talking about added sugars, processed sugars, you know. And so I took those three components, wrote it out on a little piece of paper, and practiced on myself. Okay. <laughs> so within like two months, the weight was just melting off, melting off. You know, I felt better at the gym. My brain fog was better. I was sleeping better. The hot flashes were better. And I'm like, wow, I'm getting back in my jeans. So my girlfriends are like, what are you doing? I don't know. I'm playing around with this stuff. They're like, well, tell us about it. So I went to Kinko's down the street or Office Depot, made copies. <laughs> so <laughs> gave them out. And so they're like, wow. And so we're all like sharing recipes and doing stuff together. And then I had a following on Facebook small at the time, um, not like now. And say, hey, anybody want to try this plan? I kind of created this diet. Anybody want to do it? Sure. So I ended up running about 1,500 people through private Facebook groups through the program. And I would just dole them out the information through lectures, me videoing. And, and that kind of is how the online program was born. Was, and I got so much feedback, people sharing, giving me... you know, I was able to tweak things, pull more articles, get more background information. And after about a year and a half of it, I had some savvy physician entrepreneur friends who were like, you need to make this a business. Like someone's going to steal your ideas. This is really working for people. Your people are getting healthier. So at the time I decided, all right, I'm going to resign from my traditional OB-GYN job and take three months off. And I'm going to focus on trying to create this into a business. 
I tried an ebook. It was a disaster. <laughs> it was like a total <laughs> flop. Oh God, I almost quit. I almost went back to work full time. And so people are like, no, 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 keep trying. So someone introduced me to the concept of the online course. Right. And okay, so I took some online, how to do an online course and um, threw it out there and then had my little 1500 people start sharing that with their friends. And that took off like wildfire. So wow. now we just hit 25,000 students enrolled in the Galveston diet like this week. So you name the city, you name the diet after where you're from. Well, I've chosen to live or from here. where you live, right? Raise my children here, yeah. Right, right. That's interesting. I didn't want to name it after me. It's bigger than me, right? And I kind of like South Beach, the name, right. you know. And so I thought, oh, let me just literally, it was a whim, you know. Right. Let me just. I like the name of it. The beautiful island. Right. So. And it's uh, so you have three three components. Am I right to the Galveston okay. diet? Right. One is intermittent fasting. Yeah. Two is an anti-inflammatory approach to nutrition. So okay. in the program, I do a lot of teaching. I'm an educator. Okay. And I go a deep dive into the science and I talk about individual things that you can add to your diet through you know, whole foods and nutrition and some supplementation. I'm not saying never supplement, but you really should get Try for whole food first and then supplement where you have gaps. Um, and then we do the third thing when we, you know, we phase everything in is fuel refocusing, really dropping down our dependence on simple carbohydrates, added sugars, and increasing healthy fats and protein. Okay. So what of the of the fasting? There's uh, 16-8, there's uh-huh. 18-6, 24, 36-hour right. fat, there's a 24-4 or 20. There's so many. I mean, right. time restricted feeding is right. there's multiple ways to do it. Right. I prefer the 16-8. And I do too. So what I found through trial and error and talking to thousands of you know students is that that works the best for most people. You can cheat a little one day, add a little the next day, but you're constantly every day going for it. Now the medical benefits, if you did a five-two, which is five days eating whatever, two days extreme fasting, are actually the same as a 16-8. But you're not getting that mindset change. You're not getting that every day. I'm going to build this into my life. And so, so much of the Galveston diet is just changing your habits. And so that's why I like the 16-8 is it's easy to stick to. Most people feel really powerful when they do it. Um, and it's something that you can ease into over a few weeks. Okay. The, the, the 5-2 works great medically and you get the same benefits. Um, but it is harder to stick to long-term. Right. I, I, have a, I use an app called Zero. Oh, good. It's a great little app for, you know, well, we're all so attached to our dang phones these days. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it buzzes when it's time to start fasting. So I need to go on there and lock. All right, I'm starting my fast. You know, and then I, so about seven o'clock, I have it set for to start the fast. And then I just go until like 11 o'clock the next morning. I love it. I mean, and, I'm a huge fan of those. I have one to remind me to drink water. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have that silly, Apple Watch that I'm about ready to get rid of. But I mean, that just, it tells you when to, you know, it had that, you could turn it off, but it says breathe. It said time to take a break and breathe. Yeah, I like it's like, come one. on, man. <laughs> this thing was going off for everything. I was like, okay, we can't do, I'm done with this phone. I actually, yeah, I'm done with the watch. I, I would never a watch person. And I did that. And I was like, there's some positives to it. Yeah. Like, I like the health benefits. I like the, the sleep benefit. But now there's a new thing out that I just got for my wrist that tra- is a little bit better at tracking your sleep. 
So I'm going to try that out. Oh, good. I mean, the aura rings out there. Yeah. It's expensive. It's it's like 700 bucks. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's not cheap. I hope that you are enjoying today's episode of the Rebel Health Coach Podcast. I am taking a minute to interrupt the show. Sorry about that. But I need to do some general housekeeping for the new year. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you frustrated you can't lose weight no matter what you do? Are you tired of taking handfuls of medications every day and still feel horrible and tired? Is that you? Well, then I have four open spots available for the first quarter of 2020. And all you have to do is book a free 20-minute consultation with me to discuss yourself, what your issues are, and we can talk about if I can help you. So all you need to do to book that 20-minute consultation is go to my website, www.thomunderwood.net, tomunderwood.net, and go to services at the top, Scroll to the bottom of the page, click the link, and schedule a free 20-minute consultation with me to talk about you and to see if I can help you and also to see if we're a good fit. Let me help you get off that roller coaster, get off that hamster wheel, and lose the weight and feel optimal in 2020. Thank you, and enjoy the remainder of this show. When I looked at this originally, it kind of looked like a keto type of diet with fast, intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. A lot of people would think that just doing the the high level view because we we count macros instead of calories. Okay. You know, part of the Galveston diet is breaking up with calories and switching to focusing on. So we have a weight loss component, right? Where the macros are more of what you would think of as keto esque. But it is not bread and butter, what I call bread, no, butter and bacon keto right, right. at all. It's a very clean, clean, clean program. And we really focus on that saturated to unsaturated fat ratio okay. to keep it in the healthy range where hard, you know, what I call old school keto or your brother's keto um, is butter and bacon, you know, fat at any cost. Right. And so you will lose weight either way, but your inflammation levels will rise dramatically. Right. I Yeah, I'm kind of a fan of it. You know, keto is like, a hammer, and you're either a glass jar or you're a nail. The customers like it. I mean, the students right. like it because they get the rapid weight loss. But then, as they start reaching their goal weight, we start adjusting right. the back. Yeah, I see so many people ask me questions about keto, and I my first question is, "Hey, do you have a gallbladder?" Well, you know, people because people are jumping on this keto without a gallbladder, and they're like, "Hey, I don't, I don't feel good." Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> you know. You yeah. don't have a gallbladder. Something's well, go, you know, you're putting all this fat in your body with nowhere to do with it. Nowhere to break it down. Yeah. yeah. So w- within the diet itself, you're counting macros. So basically, are you going whole foods? Like whole, real nutrition? You're basically eliminating all processed food. Well, not all, but, okay. you know, everything in moderation. Moderation, right. And you definitely, the processed food should be limited. Right. Because that's where inflammation comes yeah. from. We exactly, and and it's you know you take an innocent kernel of wheat, okay, 
which has a beautiful coat of fiber around it. And then it's got micronutrients and the, and the next level of coating. And then the endosperm, which is the starch. Well, processing rips all the good stuff away, just leaves you with the sugar in the end. Now we're going to like give it to a bakery company that's going to add some preservatives to give it a longer shelf life, which is artificial. It's going to add some color so it looks prettier. It's going to add some extra flavor, maybe throw in a couple of vitamins because they took them all away to make it look healthy. And so you've taken something that was probably pretty nutritious and in moderation, and you've stripped it of anything good and you know, given you this heavily processed, full of things that are naturally inflammatory to your body. And, you know, so we, I, I kind of break things down that way. They're like, okay. what? I can't bread? I'm like, let's look at bread. How bread is processed. There are certain breads that aren't processed, that don't have preservatives, that don't have, you know. So in, it's just learning how to read labels, learning how to look at food, learning how to recognize whole nutrition versus things that are additives. How is this specifically targeting for menopausal or perimenopausal women then? Well, I really knew from my research and from my own experience that we had to focus on the, in the inflammation levels. We had to bring those down because part of the, the weight gain, part of, you know, these are women who hadn't changed a thing. They were working out, eating the same thing. And then all of a sudden, 10, 15 pounds over five years are all in their midsection. And the common denominator in all of that where their inflammation levels were increased because just the natural aging process and the hormone changes. So I knew we had to combat that. So I wasn't thinking about older people, younger people, men, whatever. Turns out this actually works for everyone. But really for women, like the feedback we're getting is it's the scale benefits are just kind of like a nice thing. A bonus, right? A bonus. And but they're like, I am sleeping better. I think better. I'm a boss. I am able to, you know, conquer the world now. The gym feels better. Everything feels better. I'm like, okay, it's working. Right. Now, intermittent fasting does that, a, a, a big component of it. It is. And it is, especially the brain fog, I think, yeah. um, that you think so much clearer when you're fasting. And that's part of Mark, Dr. Matson's um, Right, for Alzheimer's yeah. and right, yeah, dementia. Yeah, exactly. Because that's amazing. What's the science behind this as far as the hormonal aspect with the micro macronutrients and the carb cycling type thing? You know, we are... We haven't done or haven't seen any studies that looked at hormone levels. Okay. Know that I don't think that your hormone levels improve. You know, your ovaries are gone. Right. (laughs) You go through menopause. So your testosterone levels are lower, your you know, androgen levels are lower, your estrogen levels are lower, your adrenals are still working. So you're getting some androgen there. We're not giving you those back. Okay. What we are doing through nutrition is making your body much better equipped to handle the changes. Okay. Now, let me ask you a question. A lot of people, let's talk about inflammation for a minute because there's a lot of people out there that are like, okay, what, what, is, what, are, what are we talking about inflammation? Because we all right. know when we cut ourselves. Right. So there's, there's two forms of inflammation medically. There's chronic and there's acute. So acute is the one we think of immediately. When you have a virus, cold, you step on a nail, you, you know, it's the, it is the body's way to isolate a foreign invader quickly. So, and um, pump um, antibodies, pump, you know, cytokines, pump things to destroy the invader, wall things off so that the rest of your body can heal around it. Right. right. We need that process. We can't survive without it. Right. Um, That's what happens in, in, you know, far gone HIV. They don't have that ability anymore. So in chronic inflammation, this is the inflammation that flies under the radar. This is the inflammation that is linked to 
heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, diabetes. This is the, the slow, just, you know, that you don't actually feel that bad until the end organ failure. And so we know, you know, the latest data, the latest information on chronic, chronic inflammation is yes, it's part of the aging process. We can't help it. We get older, okay? But it is exquisitely sensitive to nutritional changes. So it is what breaks down our joints. It is what slowly, slowly, slowly tears away at the the arterial vessels leading to atherosclerotic plaques. You know, all of that works. It's just that it's hard to, you know, picture it. You know, it's easy when you step on a nail and and you figure this out, but this is just that slow, under the radar, chronic process of breaking down cells and tissues and scar tissue forming, plaques forming, you know, losing parts of your liver, losing parts of your pancreas. So you develop diabetes and, and liver disease and all these other things. Right. That's good because that's something that's very, po- I mean, that happens a lot. And people come, yeah. you know, people come to me with joint pains, you know. Have wide nutrition first. Right. And if you got rid of the ice tell <laughs> we got to get rid of the gluten. We got to get rid of some of these grains that you're eating. Or, and sometimes even dairy. I mean, and- there are different levels of sensitivity, and we talk about that in the program. Um, you know, I come from a genetic background. You know, everybody's got cancer, but everybody can have dairy as much as they want. You know, it's like, right. so different. You know, genetic things that you're born with, you're going to be a little more sensitive to gluten, or a little more sensitive to dairy, or you know, there are people who are born with lactose intolerance of different degrees. Right. So. Um, they can't have any dairy without having bloating and distension and just look, you know, the bacteria, there's nothing left to break down the lactose. So the bacteria go crazy. And some people have just a mild form of it. So they can have a little cheese. They can have a little this, a little that. Um, and in Galveston, we talk about there are certain cheeses that don't have a lot of lactose or any lactose in them. So you probably can have a little bit of that and be okay. That's like cool. Our- All right, good. That's good. Let's go to the... We've talked about the, the intermittent fasting. We've talked about the the anti-inflammatory part of it. What, what's the fuel refocusing part? Fuel refocusing is when we take your focus off of carbohydrates. Okay. <laughs> and a lot of it is the psychology of what do you find as a comfort food? You know, why, why are you reaching for that cracker, that cookie, that, you know, and realizing how those foods have been manipulated to make them more addictive. And so extra sugars have been added, you know, um, Chemicals have been added to make it more attractive, to make it smell better, to make it, you know, have a bigger tang or taste. What are the hot fire Cheetos or whatever? A really good example. <laughs> Delicious. You get a big bang for your buck, but what's it do for you long term? <laughs> there's all, I mean, there's a million examples. Cereal, store, you know, the, the, the right. sugary cereals that they, we feed our children. And, I, you know, I was one. Uh, my kids have it as a treat now. <laughs> they're 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 older now, but they're like, Mom, where's all the good food? I'm like, I'm <laughs> Now, in this diet, let's talk about weight, some like cheat meals. Cheat meals? Like a cheat meal or a cheat, you know, I, I don't like to call, I, I never preach about a cheat day. Yeah. I always talk about, I, I like about that. myself. You know, we, we I allow, grace. You know, when you, not most of the people on Galveston diet succumb to a temptation. You know, they don't wake up and say, it's a cheat day. I can have whatever I want. Right. They get a situation where they weren't prepared. They didn't have, you know, food with them. They they were out to eat and there wasn't anything on the menu or whatever. You know, they're at a party. And so when they end up eating things that they know are gonna make, you know, they eat and the next day they feel like crap. 
Right. Uh, excuse my language. They, you know, they don't feel no. well. It, we talk about giving yourself grace. It's okay. Own it. Did it. It's done. How did it make you feel? Why did you do it? What could you avoid? You know, behaviors could you avoid in the future? Could you have been better prepared so this maybe wouldn't have happened? That's kind of how we handle that. Stuff. All right. I love that part because it, it, it happens. It happens. You know? I mean, I, it was Mardi Gras this weekend. Trust me. Right. I was not on the Gallison diet. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's, let's speak of Mardi Gras. <laughs> let's talk about the aspect that a lot of women in this age group drink a lot of wine. Okay, so again, everything in moderation. Right. Um, there are some great studies, especially in the Mediterranean data, which I really, really like, that look at wine consumption. They look at um, nutrition in, in different countries and looking at heart disease rates and disease, you know, general disease rates. And it looks like this group around the Mediterranean who eat food that is whole grain, um, very little preservatives, very little chemicals, very, very whole food. They do have wine. However, they have one average glass for a woman per day, no more than two for a man. So there is something called Restorvital, which is a chemical component of the skin of the grape, which is highly anti-inflammatory. So they feel like that part of the wine adds nutritional benefit. However, when you cross that boundary and you drink more than that, you've undone all of the good and you you ask anyone who's overindulged in alcohol, you're pretty inflamed the next day right. <laughs> or so. Right. And so there are definite health benefits to wine, but you have to be in moderation. You okay. can't pick up your seven glasses for the weekend. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't drink Monday through Friday, so I can have six tonight. So it does have a little bit of health benefit, but there are, you know, people are super healthy without drinking any alcohol right. at all. Okay. All right. Since you're an OBGYN, what are your what are your recommendations for horm the horm whole hormonal cascade during this pre perimenopausal time frame? So you know, years of clinical practice of, of you know back and forth with women. We really we used to recommend hormone replacement therapy for all, um, as far as like taking exogenous estrogen and progesterone. Right. Or it, progesterone if you still had a uterus. Um, now we take it on a case by case basis. Okay, it's really based on your symptoms. We, I start with nutrition first. Then we do some maybe supplementation of things like estrogen or things that are soy-based, depending on what your risk factors are. Again, this is an individual decision between you and your nurse practitioner, your physician, whomever, that you need to have an in-depth conversation that takes into account your family history, your risk factors, you know, any, have you had your mammograms, you know, before you kind of cross that boundary. There are lots of things you can try. If nothing else is working, it looks like limited hormone replacement therapy for you know up to 10 years till about age 60, but I, I would try to get my patients off by 55. Um, does not seem to be in, in the low-risk population an increased risk at all, um, especially if you've had a hysterectomy and you don't need the extra progesterone. Um, in the Women's Health Initiative, you know the big study that came out where we took everyone off of hormones, it looked like the estrogen and progesterone arm had the slightly increased risk over just the estrogen arm didn't have an increased risk over uh, placebo for risk of breast cancer moving. Okay, right. Yeah, that's a big one. I get a lot of clients. I'm not like, got to talk to your doctor. Right. right I'm not right. saying never. It's yep. definitely helpful for some women. I have done it myself. I've needed a little bit of help. 
the hot flashes were horrendous. I was not sleeping. I'm on the lowest dose humanly possible. But you know, I'm 51 years old and I can sleep now and I feel great. My hot flashes were unbelievable. And you know, nutrition helped, but I still need a little bit more. (laughs) Now, are you a fa- which are you a fan of as far as hormone replacement therapy? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I'm a, a strictly against pellets myself. I, you know, don't have any medical experience with okay. pellets, though, but I have good friends who I trust who have gotten into that realm. It does require some special training. You really need to make yeah. sure, you know, they're convenient in that you don't have to go back or take something every day. I get that depot right. part of it. But I do worry about the long-lasting effects right. um, for people who are risky, who have higher risk. Um, yeah, that's my concern. Is that it's a kind of a load them and go approach? Yeah, and they're not. You know, the FDA is kind of iffy about them. They're right. kind of done under the radar in a lot of places. So just be careful. Yeah, I I, I tend to go with the, the, that bioidentical more, or refer. I don't. I refer them out to a doctor, a couple of doctors I work with. Because mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not trained in that. So, but I know it helps first, you know, like, like you said with the hot flashes. And, you know, I know there's a lot of science behind it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it helps a lot of women through menopause. And, you know, no. I am not a fan. There's a lot of BHRT. What's that? Not everyone, not everyone needs it. Right. And there's a lot of people in the, in that whole BHRT. Realm that believe in keeping a woman out of menopause for life. And that's kind of like, I th- then you're taking God into your hands, in my opinion. I don't know any licensed OBJ yeah. <laughs> who would keep yeah, a woman yeah, out yeah. for the rest of her life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I have like a shake my head when I hear that. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. But that's something that is not even in this realm of, of my practice, but in your in your practice either. And I just and when somebody says, "Hey, that my my somebody wants to keep me out of menopause for life," and I'm like, "Yeah, but I would uh, get the opinion that would just I would right. just go talk to someone else who's yeah. more OB Gen. Well, because God that was God made your body that way to, right. to, for that to happen. So why I don't want to screw with anything He did. So so here's the interesting thing. We know that the, the inflammation levels rise independent of age once you go through menopause. Right. Putting someone on exogenous hormones, bioidentical or not, does not drop that rate. Good. They're still inflamed. There's right. something else going on. And in that's the- where your program comes in, the food. Right. And so that's where I'm like, you know, be careful what you're treating with HRT. Right. You're treating symptoms. You're not making someone whole. Right. You know, you're not fixing a problem. The ovaries are still dead. Whatever killed them is still, you know, whatever natural process that broke them down is still there causing inflammation. It's not the hormones so much. So when people are promising fountain of youth and all these things with with hormone replacement, I just, I'd be very wary. Buyer beware. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's why I'm really specific of who I work with and know and trust Mm -hmm. so that I don't reach outside of those people. You know, I just kind of keep my close knit. Because it, it's when you're getting when you're going down. I, I, first of all, inflammation's something that is is become. That's why we're starting to age faster, mm-hmm. and also why a lot of women go into perimetal, perimetopausal at a, at a younger age. So that's something that needs to be addressed in both men and women as an anti-inflammatory diet. 
because that is just a huge, I mean, I've got two guys that are my age, both of their sons died last week from heart attacks. That's awful. And they were young. They were in their late 30s. So it's awful. like, this isn't right. Yeah. You have to look at what you're putting in your body. Yeah. All right. Before we close out today, would you give the listeners a, a fly? A, well, not really a fly over the Galveston diet, but give the listeners a couple key takeaways for the, this age group, the perimenopausal, the menopausal age group. If, you know, before you, for a chronic condition, um, or preventing a chronic condition. Look at your family history. Look at what your mom, your dad, your older sisters, even younger. Before you get on a medication, just consider trying a nutritional option first. Do that first. See how you feel. It is quite possible and highly likely that you might be able to avoid medication or decrease your dose. So... That would be one of my biggest takeaways. Um, The other is you're not stuck. I I cannot tell you how many students that we've had in the program who tell me that nothing else worked. They tried everything. They tried everything. That, you know, there, there are a lot of programs out there. Some of them are very, very good. Keep trying. Find one that'll work for you, but try nutrition first. I promise you, you will never regret it. I agree 100% because it, it, a lot of us go to the doctor, including myself, when I was diagnosed with metabolic syndrome. He handed me five prescriptions. And I said, you know what, doc? My dad died of this disease. It took his life at 63. Mm-hmm. And I walked over to the trash can and threw him in the trash can. And my doctor looked at me like I was crazy. He didn't have any training in nutrition. You know, this is what he was taught to do. I hate to knock the medical for her. I am one of them. I was taught to give medication to fix problems and had very, you know, so things are changing in medical schools. You know, Tulane is really on the forefront. Those students are coming out, working in kitchens, learning how to give meal plans, really talking to patients about what they're eating, how they're eating, when they're eating. It's coming, but we have so far to go. And we have some, you know, I'm really grateful. So for someone like, well, Jeffrey Bland, who is a godfather of functional medicine, Dr. Jeffrey Bland. But I'm really grateful for like Mark Hyman and all these guys that are on the forefront. Just, you know, let's change what we're doing. Change, yeah. You know, so yeah, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for this. Diet for women is a fantastic. Where, where do people, women, I'm going to put these in the show notes, but where can they find you? So we have a website, uh, www.galvestondiet.com. You can find us on Facebook at The Galveston Diet, Pinterest at The Galveston Diet, YouTube at The Galveston Diet, and I think Instagram at The Galveston okay. Diet. <laughs> Man, it, so that was a great find, by the way, because I'm sure nobody had The Galveston Diet.com anywhere when you went to go register those. And there's a funny backstory behind that. Someone who knew me probably bought the, you know, we have Galveston, <sighs> the Galveston Diet. So when I went to buy the one with the article, Someone had bought it and like held it hostage, and I had to pay, I think, 10 grand to get it back. Yeah. Cause somebody owns Tom, T H O M Underwood.net.com. Yeah. And he wants 10 grand, and I'm like, you can have it. I'm just going to go to .net. You can have it all you want. It's crazy. I, you know, it was some, I would never imagine doing that to someone, but it's a business. So I don't know who found, figured that out, but yeah. I grabbed it and I couldn't, I can't. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not giving you 10 grand, buddy. 
I think I offered him five hundred dollars. I said, "Yeah, I'll buy it for five hundred. And he's like, "No." I'm like, "Okay." Okay. There's all kinds of .dot nets and .dot orgs and .dot health now. There's a .dot health. So mine was sold to someone overseas, and they cloned my website because it's all international. Like, there's no jurisdiction. Uh, website. We've got it all back. It's okay. Fortune, but they and it was such a mess. It was such a learning thing for me. I'm just an OB/GYN. I do Pap smears. You know, right. anything about the internet. And um, if anyone starts an internet business, buy everything you can think of right. <laughs> for five bucks. You know, and never yeah. look ever. Yeah, because I went and bought tomunderwood.net or .com and .net mm-hmm. because I I spell my name with an H, and so when I say when I say tomunderwood.net or .com, people are like, "Oh, I'm just going to put in yeah. Tom Underwood." Yeah, so I bought those anyway. We're getting way off the subject here. Sorry, <laughs> I pre- that was my fault. I love it though. I like talking to docs because I really, you know, I found my passion a little late in life, but I've been talking a little bit with some friends and doctor friends and they're like, you're never too late to go back to school. So I'm looking at the University of Western States, which is an online university up in Portland. And I'd have to fly up there, kind of like what you were doing. I'd have to fly up there for some exams and testing. And so I'm looking at going back and and seeing where it leads me because uh, I found my passion. I'm really sick of the medical supply industry. You know, I'm, I'm, I just, I've been doing it for 15 years. I'm just burned out in the supply chain and I'm, I'm ready to get out. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go check it out. Awesome. You know, I went to pre-pharmacy. I didn't, that, when I went to pre-pharmacy, I was, as my freshman year, it was a, I, I didn't do well. So I was one of those people that said, oh, I'm away from home. Let's get partied. You know? Yeah. So I didn't make it to pharmacy school. And then I went in the Navy and anyway. All right. Before we go today, first of all, thank you for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time today. You're welcome. And I, I'm grateful that you put this together because this is something that's much needed in that age group or the perimenopausal and menopausal and women, period, and men. I mean, I'm, I was honestly thinking of doing it myself to see what kind of changes it, it does. So, but before we go, this is something I ask all my guests. Is what album or artist would you li- listen to if you had 30 to 45 minutes to kill? Ooh. I like to dance. So um, probably Bruno Mars. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I was listening to that this weekend, actually. For some reason, I put it on. I was like driving down the road. And I'm like, ah, it, was a, it was 55 here in Atlanta. It was nice today. So I put Bruno Mars's album on. And I'm like, this is great. So yeah, that's good. Bruno Mars. All right. I'll take that one. That's the first Bruno Mars. So, and Dr. I just interviewed Dr. Jaff, Jaffe, and I love him to death. And he's always goes back to the old school jazz. So he's always interesting when he mentioned when I ask him that question. So thank you for your time. I appreciate you very much. And uh I put the links in the show note. And uh, like I said, I think I'm gonna Try this out a little bit by my own. I don't. I don't want to get in your Facebook group, but I think I want to try this out and play with it just for myself. You know, because going in this winter time, we all put on a little extra weight, a little inst- little inflammation from you know some beers or my chunky monkey ice cream every once in a while. So I'm going to try it out. 
Awesome. I can't wait to hear what you think about it. I will let you know. And I will definitely refer some people to your your program. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining in today with the Rebel Health Coach, Tom Underwood. And be sure to subscribe to the show so you can catch all the episodes. With desire and commitment, you can implement a lifestyle of wellness and fitness. For the support, encouragement, and tools you need to be successful, visit TomUnderwood.net.